Welcome to Dueling GMs. I'm Joseph. And I'm Anthony. This is a show for GMs and players. One about designs and details. To build a better role-playing community. Tonight, we're going to be talking about living versus a paused world. Uh, Anthony, how would you describe each of these? Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with living. Okay. Uh, a living world in my mind, uh, and this is coming from the perspective of, of a GM here, uh, a living world is one that doesn't wait for the players to show up. Um, there, there may be lots of things going on that uh, you're keeping track of uh, that the players may not even know about. Um, maybe never come across, uh, but it's it's worth tracking. It's worth keeping, um, paying attention to. Uh, it, it makes the world more vibrant, more alive, uh, and, and more well-rounded, fleshed out. Okay. Yeah. So so time is a factor then, um, and the world keeps going. Uh, whether, like you said, whether the players realize it or not. Uh, what what about a pause world? What does that look like? Uh, a pause world is one that it may not run on rails, uh, if you're f familiar with that term, but it is one that it's always going to be available. The next part of the story is going to be available to you whenever you get around to it. Uh, a lot of video games work this way uh, that there's the main quest, but uh, you can do all the side quests that you want and still come back whenever you want to the main one and nothing's going to be different. Uh, you could have gotten the uh, the, the instruction you have to go to visit this particular person uh, as quickly as possible. And you laugh about it and say, well, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. And, you know, six days later in game, you finally get around to it. And well, they don't even, you know, don't even notice. Uh, and sometimes your uh, tabletop games work that way as well. Right. Yeah. So, some examples uh you mentioned video games uh perhaps link uh from legend of zelda um you know those are have a lot of side quests you can go fishing you can you know upgrade your weapons your armor um whereas again you mentioned video games um i think a living world might be something more like mass effect 3 uh but let's talk about how these look in uh tabletop role playing games uh, what would you say is the major difference between them? Uh, for the player or for the, the GM? Uh, let's start with the GM. Okay. With the, the GM, a living world, like I said, is going to be a lot more vibrant, but it's going to take a lot more work. Um, it's it's going to uh, require planning. It, you're going to need to know the intricate details of what may be going on in the next town over, the next kingdom over, on the off chance that uh, what happens there and the politics of, of that particular area start to bleed over uh, into other areas of the game. Um, where with a, a paused world uh, only the things that you kind of already have planned out are going to matter you may mention to the the players to the characters even that there's another village uh, you know three towns over that this particular thing is happening but it's mostly just for flavor you don't have to flesh it out beyond that unless you have the expectation that they're going to go there um, and so it it, it really 
doesn't become time-based. It doesn't uh, have a uh, ticking clock, as it were, in the way that you approach it as a GM. Uh, and everything's kind of, you'll get to it when you get to it. And as the players continue to uh, unfold the story, you have the opportunity to continue building as much into it as you need, rather than having it available and ready you know, from day one, because who knows where they're going to go and what they're going to do. Right. And that's one of the, one of the bigger things is sometimes you have no idea what the players are planning on doing. Um, so you started to talk about this a little bit, but what are some uh, implications for your plot? You mentioned that perhaps the town over might, uh, the politics might bleed into the one where they're at. Um, but for a paused world, um, what does that look like? Well, for a pause world, there isn't really much you have to plan outside of the main plot or maybe the occasional side quest and you just plan enough for the side quest. Um, so pause world is is relatively easy uh, and there aren't really repercussions for uh, how long things take, uh, which with a, a living world, uh, I feel like you almost have to have multiple iterations of how things play out and also multiple iterations of how the encounter is going to go depending on when they show up. If you if you're given the timeline of go rescue the princess from the dragon, you know, the very, very typical thing, uh, it could be that you on the pause game whenever you get there the princess is still going to be there because she's locked in a tower there's no real threat and danger to the princess outside of her getting bored uh but with a a living world it may be the princess was just taken by the dragon and uh there's some sort of event that's going to happen maybe a, a star convergence that's going to happen in the next three days and if you don't get to her within the next three days there's going to be a ritual that that takes place and so they're on a timeline if they show up early they may have the opportunity to ambush the cultists um, and the, you know, the dragon that's at the head of this cult or whatever, uh, they, they could, uh, get the jump on them because they arrived really early. They could show up just in time, like in the middle of this ritual. And in which case, then all of this is, this is already taking place. There's probably more people there because they're participating in the ritual. They're on alert. They're paying attention. Now you've got a completely different scenario or they may show up late. And they go to rescue the princess and the princess isn't there because she was sacrificed in the ritual. Now, what do you do? Now you have an angry king. Now you have an angry kingdom. And suddenly the conquering heroes are actually no better than the villains. And all that is different is that the world is living and breathing and not waiting for the heroes to save it. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, in a paused world, uh, the characters might uh, tend to feel more like heroes because there's never a missed opportunity. Well, yeah, and, never... and everyone looks at them like they're the heroes. That's the expectation. I think that's where yes. you're going with that, right? Yep, that is correct. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So with the with the living world, though, sometimes you know, based on their uh, their character's choice and involvement and interactions, uh, like you said, sometimes they could be the hero. Sometimes they might make it, and sometimes they they won't, and they turn out to be more of a villain when it comes to the king, as you mentioned. Uh, so it, it does the allow them though, uh, and you as a, as a PC, it does allow you to play the character as I'm just a guy, like there's nothing special about me instead of having the 
the epic uh, Frodo carrying the ring to Mount Mordor mm, or, or you know, to Mordor and Mount Doom, uh, that all of this is on your shoulders. And if you don't accomplish this, the entire world falls apart. Uh, we, we usually get thrown into that type of thing, whether it's an adventure path that's pre-written. By the end, you realize you have to save the world. Right. Or just even a homebrew that, you know, we like to, to do. Um, you inevitably get thrust into that type of scenario um and, and it allows if, if you're having a living world where there are other heroes out there and uh whether you make it in time completely changes you know everything that happens in the world you have the opportunity to be the hero to be the nobody to be forgotten or like you said to end up becoming the villain along the way yeah yeah and you mentioned about how just the story will change but uh, you mentioned about how the encounters might differ too. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how encounters might be, uh, how they might range for living uh, environments versus a pause environment? Uh, sure. Yeah. So I already walked through one scenario. Give me, give me another one that I can kind of roll with off the top of my head. Uh, sure. So, you know, uh, some of the other, uh, I guess, tropey things is, you know, coming to uh like like a town and you know there might be uh political you know machinations that are happening there um and and it's not necessarily the the town uh over it's you know the here and now uh and you know there's like a plot against the king um you know what how does that look in terms of like with the living world, sometimes there's missed opportunities, right? Um, sure. You know, you, you're tracking it as a GM, but as a player, uh, do you feel like you could be robbed of certain opportunities if it's just, well, I showed up when I showed up and turns out, you know, people that I wanted to talk to are already dead. How does that look for a player, you know, in those types of encounters? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, we experienced something recently uh, along those lines that um, there was a, a kidnapping of a high ranking, uh, you know, political member. And, and I think there were threads that were thrown out to us that uh, had we kind of just not slept and pursued them a little bit, we might've been able to prevent that. Um, but since we, we didn't uh, this, person was kidnapped the story went in a completely different direction um and so as, as a gm we've got to be careful that we're providing not only the threads but also the i wouldn't say dropping hints but some sort of indication of what the negative repercussion may be um if we want the the characters to understand and the players even to understand the gravitas of of you know what this situation is and i felt like uh in that particular scenario uh, that we just recently experienced in one of our games we didn't necessarily get that and so after the fact we were like oh i guess that was maybe why you were leaning so hard into this thing um but but yeah so as as a player it's kind of hard sometimes if you miss the hint you miss the hint um and depending on your gm they may go out of their way to keep like reinforcing something or they may just i i mentioned it uh you you heard it you the entire party heard it and you missed it uh you're going to miss out on a particular opportunity um so it, it is frustrating maybe as a as a character and depending on how it plays out maybe frustrating as a player as well um 
in a living world. But I think if you have a good living, breathing world, that that just kind of helps reinforce and remind you that the the world doesn't really revolve around my character. And that's probably a good thing. Um, we just have to kind of rewire our thinking because we're so expectant of everybody stopping to us, everybody giving us whatever we want, everybody kind of bowing a knee to us. Uh, and that's not necessarily how the world works. And so it's not really how our role-playing game should work either. Yeah. Yeah. But counterpoint what about prep time let's talk about that for a little bit okay um uh, on the really quick answer is it's a lot easier and a lot faster to do um a pause world because you just plan whatever the next step is and if they do a little side tangent thing you roll with it until they come back uh, closer to the story that you got developed and it's still sitting there waiting for them and you can basically pick it right up where you left off. Um, that's where adventure paths are really good. That, that world is going to remain paused and you could go off and do multiple side quests. You could branch off from one adventure path that's pre-written into another adventure path, come back and you know, for all intents and purposes, you could probably pick right back up where you left off and nobody's going to know anything. And the NPCs certainly aren't going to say, well, where'd you go for the last six months? <laughs> exactly. Um, nothing really changes over time, uh, but that makes it very easy to prep. On the other hand, uh, a living world, you kind of have to have lots of, of threads. Um, anybody who's seen some of my notes when I'm running, I have a whole bunch of like spider webs drawn all over the place. And basically when I write out my, my, my plot stuff and I don't, I don't even have a chance to outline things. I basically have index cards with a bunch of if then statements on them that if this happens, then this is the next thing. Or if this happens, go to this index card because this is going to play out here. And I have to have branching almost like a tournament bracket style of uh, plots. Um, and, and one thing happening may take a little bit of time. And so it advances the, uh, the plot of another minor villain that I have off on the side because saying yes to something over here means saying no to something else and putting it on the back burner down the road. And so I've, am able to, to run with multiple, uh, story arcs and progress them both differently, depending on choices the characters make or don't make. Uh, but it takes a lot more time and a lot more forethought, uh, and the ability to kind of spin on a dime and, and change very, very quickly. Um, so it's certainly not for everyone. And if you are the type of GM who only has a little bit of prep time before uh, a game, it's going to be a lot harder for you to pull this off. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, in different games that I've ran, um, it's definitely easier to have pause things uh, or even limited uh, living uh, worlds. Uh, we can kind of go into that a little bit uh, next, but you know, the idea of you know not having all the note cards or the spider webs, though that is a very fascinating thing that we should definitely talk about in a future uh, uh, podcast. Yeah, I'm but, done for sure. Um, but, you know, like how do you try to meet somewhere in the middle? Um, you know, where do we draw the line of just a, a non, you know, a static pause world uh, versus, you know, everything, you know, every shifting piece of sand that, that exists, uh, you know, throughout, throughout the world. Where's a, where can we meet in the middle? Or something like this i think there's probably three different things uh 
uh, just off the top of my head that I can think of that we can kind of categorize them. Um, one would be a story. How does this, how can we kind of blend them into a story? Um, one would be characters. Like how is a character going to react um, differently or is it, are they going to react the same? And then something we don't immediately think about, but uh, items, loot, equipment. Uh, like if they miss an opportunity to go off to this particular area or they're too late to show up and there's a particular item you had waiting for them, well, do they lose that forever and have no opportunity to pick that up? Um, so I think that's the easiest uh, one to tackle first. And if you have thoughts on any of those, I'd love to hear them too. But uh, th the items, I think, are the easiest thing because it may be that, um, well, uh, you missed the opportunity to get this really epic sword that somebody had been really wanting or you had crafted specifically for them and then they didn't go pursue that thing or they were too late. Somebody else showed up and grabbed it. Well, now there's an item floating around out there that somebody else has. You have an opportunity to kind of circle that back around and and give it to them at a later point when the party uh, maybe comes across that particular character again, or uh, eventually is sent for another reason back to that town that had that same item, that type of thing. So there's ways to uh, there's ways to allow um, people to revisit and, and refine equipment. I think pretty easily. Mm -hmm. um, is, do you have any other thoughts on the on the item side of things? Uh, like you said, uh, with you know people you know taking them or uh, you know just moving it or having the villains move or and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, you can leave remnants. Um, I think if things start to move in a, in a direction that, uh, the players might have a hard time catching up, then, you know, you can introduce either chase scenes or, you know, uh, tracking, um, you know, and, and maybe find not necessarily the items like magical items or something, but even like, you know, oh, you found the campsite of where they might have just been, but, uh, you know, they might have left something there or they were in a hurry and, you know, just sort of leaving tidbits behind, uh, lore, uh, anything that might help the players learn more about this, you know, villain, for instance. Right, right. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's not always, um, you know, items in the sense of, you know, objects, but, you know, sometimes it's it's useful to uh, figure out a little bit more lore as they go so that the, it creates more urgency. And we can talk about that maybe, uh, next in terms of like where urgency plays into a pause world, a living world and sure. somewhere yeah. in the middle. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a, uh, a chase scene. I think that's a, a good example of how you can meet in the middle on something like the story, uh, that maybe they do show up too late. Uh, but maybe you don't really want the entire story to completely turn on its head. Um, but uh, maybe instead they show up late, but there's enough clues left behind that they could actually chase them down, track them down. And you do a little yeah. side tangent and eventually they, you know, catch up to them. They have the fight that you were planning on having anyway, but there's just a little bit more of the exploration survival element built in. They can get the item or the person or the information that they were trying to get. Um, and it feels like there was still uh, enough uh, depth there or the urgency that you mentioned that, oh man, we need to be on time for these things or bad things might happen. And what if we had been even an hour later, maybe we wouldn't have picked up the the trail. So there's a little bit there that you don't have to necessarily completely have 
a separate side plot for if they you know show up late but remind them uh in you know in that way that's a chase scene or you have to now use a tracker maybe even hire a tracker because you're not from the area to be able to to hunt these people down but ultimately you basically accomplish the goal you you had set out and you don't have to change the story that's a right. good example i think on meeting in the middle for the story um do you have any other thoughts on that on the story side uh, well, just in the the other pillar, um, you know, there's the social explore, exploratory and uh, combat. Uh, you know, just talking and trying to figure out, you know, who's seen this person or if they, you know, just know. Uh, you know, you describe a character uh, and see if you know other NPCs can help you out with that. Um, you know, just kind of create just different aspects. So it might not be as much uh, urgency potentially. Uh, you still you, you you can still get some sort of uh you know information about you know the whereabouts of where they might be sure yeah and, and it may be especially if it's not an item or a person you're pursuing but you were looking for information and you lost out on it then yeah at tackling that social aspect you may still be able to acquire that information uh in a different place uh, maybe not quite the identical type of information but enough that the GM gets across what they were trying to get across, but just in a different way. And so the story can move forward and you still feel like, oh, hey, we missed it, but we got it in a different direction. And then the story doesn't necessarily have to change. You can keep on moving. Yeah. Um, so the the third one I mentioned is, is characters. Um, and that one uh, is probably fairly easy, at least once or twice that, you know, if, if they're yeah, if they show up late to something or or maybe they're early or they typically would show up late, the, the NPCs can very easily say, hey, we're cutting close you know, today. We said we were going to meet up here on the hill and scout this out. And, you know, you only had it's like five minutes to midnight, you know, cutting a little close just to remind them. Or, you know, if they happen to actually be on time for once and their party is notorious for being late to everything you know, that maybe the NPC shows up late because they're like, oh, well, you know, I you guys are always late. And, you know, so I decided to show up 24 hours later instead. Um, and those little things can just be little side side thoughts that the NPCs have to remind you, Hey, there's other things going on. Maybe the NPC gets caught up in, you know, if you're playing a modern game, they get pulled over for speeding. Um, and, and so you're stuck waiting on them instead of the other way around. It's little things that you can kind of remind them that the world happens, uh, and it doesn't revolve around them. There's other things happening, even to the NPCs that are trying to assist the party. Um, and it kind of throws off, you know, the party's planning, just like when the party is not doing the things that they're supposed to do on the right timetable, it throws off the NPCs planning. And again, that doesn't necessarily completely overhaul uh, how you approach uh, you know, the story or, or running the game, but it's a nice little reminder um, uh, to the characters. Yeah, uh, I think something to add to what we uh, previously talked about in terms of chase scenes is tell the players, you know, that they can still make that survival check, but the difficulty is going to be higher. Maybe it started raining because they showed up a day later and now they're having a hard time just finding footprints. Um, yeah, the, you know, the local um, you know, police force or you know, investigators have showed up and they're contaminating the crime scene. Don't even realize it because you know they're screwing things up. And but if you had showed up, you know, earlier, then 
you know, the scene would have been yours to investigate. Now you got red tape to go through and you can still get the information. It's just going to be harder. It's going to be harder. But then also as maybe this is, you know, discussion about, you know, meta knowledge, but you know, if you let the player know that because they showed up a little later, um, or that their character showed up later, um, that the difficulty is higher. And then they're like, Oh, Oh, there, this is a living world. Um, you know, I didn't really think about that. Yeah. Um, and it sort of adds another level of, you know, okay, maybe we should try and, you know, figure these things out, you know, in game a little faster so that we don't miss our opportunities. You know, it might not amount to much, but at least it's something that I, I think it helps put a mindset uh, in place um, that might be helpful. Yeah, I think so. Um, I know you and I have talked about this a lot before. I, I feel like we're sticking a lot on the the living versus pause world in terms of the timeline. Um, the, I know we have some some notes that we were using in in there. Do you have anything else beyond the timeline? Because I don't want people to to think that the only difference is uh, like you have to stick to a timetable. Um, but I know we have other other thoughts that we were talking about there. Uh, well, there was uh, the timetable. Uh, there is the matter of importance. Um, we can, you know, talk about some of the cons that uh, for both living and pause world, where, like we said, with the living world, you don't have to be this epic hero. You might be able to be a you know a standard uh, right, know, person right. trying to figure out the world uh, that you're in. Um, but on the flip side, if if you wanted to be that hero, if you were hoping to be something that you know NPCs can depend upon your character, but it never happens because you know decision making or just choosing a path that just locks out a lot of other options. Like, how do you work with the player and and their character about feeling important? Uh, you know, does their you know they might feel that whatever they choose it's always the wrong choice like how do you how do you wrestle with with doing that as both a player how do you you know wrestle with feeling not important and then as a gm how do you you know turn that around well you know me as a gm sometimes i will intentionally play that as the story that it feels like at least for a while that it doesn't matter what we do we can't seem to make a difference uh but uh, I intentionally do that sometimes with particular story arcs so that when you get a win, it feels incredible. And you're like, yes, mm -hmm. we're finally on track. And this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, that these other things maybe don't matter as much, or these other things don't suck as much as they did before. Uh, and now we're, we're, we got a win under our belts. So let's go pursue the next thing. And it kind of urges the characters on to the next bigger thing that maybe they were afraid of or trying to avoid now they they you know they have a little bit more of incentive to keep on moving forward as a player though i completely understand that uh, that's not necessarily always fun um and, and i've even had to kind of retool some things uh when i run sometimes where just based on how the plot lined up or where the characters went by the time they got to certain areas they just everything was feeling very defeated um and i'm sure you remember the the story arc there for a while that we're too late for this 
we're too late for this. And, and you showed up at one particular thing and you thought you were too late for that. But then you realize, no, this is still, we showed up just in time. We were late for some people, but it's not over yet. And you guys finally got that that win. And I feel like that really kind of perked up the morale of both the, the PCs, but also the group a little bit. And you're like, yes, we're back on track. Um, and, and it was almost a reminder of, hey, we probably should pay more attention to what's going on all over the world and not just hyper focus on one particular story, which is what I was really driving at. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know whether you guys even grabbed that at the time, um, but when you started taking the L's, it was because the party was hyper focusing on one story. And, and you know, with that particular group, we're still like, we're picking back up on it this next week with that, that group again you all have your own story arcs and it's really hard with eight, nine characters, you know, cause we run with a lot sometimes. Um, it's a big group. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a very unique situation that I don't necessarily have a whole lot of big, uh, like empire shattering stories, but each character has a story arc that sometimes uh, overlaps with other characters, but sometimes it's standalone depending on what they've uncovered at the time. And they all feel like they have their own significance and their own weight based on does this affect me? But also they all have their own idea on what's most important and what is most urgent, which we, we talked about. Uh, a minute ago, the urgency thing is always present. Um, and in this particular game, everybody has a different idea of what's the most urgent. And, and it's it's a game that's designed to keep the players and the, the characters spinning the plates. And the last thing you want to do is let the plates fall because everything starts to shatter around you. And I think you guys finally have sort of started to figure that out and are trying to bounce back and forth just enough that you can keep all the plates spinning until you can figure out how to solve all these issues. Um, and when you were taking the losses, it was because suddenly you were hyper-focusing on one spinning plate and all the other plates started falling around you. Yeah, that makes sense. That's uh, uh, something I would like to add. not necessarily to the specifics of, of that game, but um, you know, to help players and characters feel a little bit more important might be how, uh, even though uh, you know you might be missing or you might be late to uh, catching the villain and it's now a chase scene or you know it's, it's a little bit different of a, of a scenario that you had originally planned as a GM. Um, you know, having different scenarios for different players um, is, is helpful, uh, giving a little bit of spotlight um, that even though, you know, this might be, uh, you know, for the bard story and, you know, they are in the group, they're trying to find this person, but now they are kind of lost. And, you know, we switch that exploration like we focused, you know, or we mentioned, and now the ranger has you know, their moment to shine. And though it might not seem like a win, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it brings everyone their spotlight, but also helps them feel a little bit more important. Even if it's not for the overall plot, they at least feel like they're still engaged and they're trying to still hunt down and, and hopefully succeed at, at finding that said villain. Yeah. Um, I think if you have, if you have a good GM, then I would say trust your GM that even if it feels 
demoralizing sometimes that they're not just trying to beat you down and make you have a terrible time because at the end of the day nobody's got time to just sit around a table or sit digitally and and make people feel well sorry i've been on reddit uh most people don't have time to to sit and just make people feel bad about themselves right and your gm if you have a good one that's definitely not their their intent so trust your gm that they have a good story in mind that if you're taking losses it's going to turn out to be for the a better story um and then if you're a player and you're in the middle of that um Maybe you feel like your particular character isn't getting wins, but you can start looking for how can I, uh, I'm not going to win the Oscar for, uh, you know, best actor in in this particular situation, but how can I be a good supporting actor? Um, Because maybe there's, like you said, the bard character is the one who the story revolves around. And so how can I be a good support for them? How can I help them accomplish their goal? Because it's ultimately a group goal. But also the sooner they finish and wrap up and feel closure on what they're doing, the sooner I can get back to you know, tracking down the the villain that we missed before and we have no sign on because once there's nothing else to do, everybody is going to want to you know pursue that again. So it's also helping your own self-interest by helping everybody else in the party as well. Yeah, no, that's a good way of uh, putting it. Um, what would you say is a uh, kind of a, a con for uh, pause, like in terms of uh, out leveling and and leveling. Yeah, it, and I'll go back to the to the um, video game thing. We've we've all probably played games where by the time we got back to the main quest, that we go fight the first boss or second boss or whatever, and you know two three hits and he's dead um, because we had far out leveled them and they were designed to be a challenge. Had you done them in the prescribed order. Uh, but now you're stuck, right? Um, there's there's probably ways to, instead of retooling your entire story or changing the arc based on timelines and how long the you know the villain had to prepare and build up their own army or you know capture other villages around and so there's less resources, you don't necessarily have to go to that extent. But as the players scale, it's not that hard for you to continue to slowly just creep up the difficulty of the encounter. Um, that's again, a, a probably a good way to blend things so that the difficulty of the fight itself, whenever that happens is still on par for what the, the characters or for what the players want. Uh, nobody wants to go in to fight the big bad and realize that it's only a one round fight. Hmm. Um, I mean, maybe you do, maybe you've got some min maxing group that wants to figure out how do we each do 200 hit points of damage, uh, on the first round. And, you know, they, they plan that out, but if you've got a group like that, you know, more power to you, and it probably would still be more fun if you had more hit points to go around so that everybody can deal that much damage and not just the rogue on their first turn. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the, the, the best way to tackle that in a, you know, simplified way, you can still scale your encounters, even if you don't necessarily change the story. Right. Yeah. You can always add more minions. You can add, you know, lair actions. There's, there's a lot of different ways of making it, you know, interesting and still 
having that scaling uh, aspect. Um, but that's sometimes is a little bit more towards that living. Uh, uh, it it may be if, if you, if you in the back of your mind have described it as uh, they had more time or they were also doing things and leveling up, then sure. You're kind of leaning a little bit more toward the, the living world, but uh, sometimes it's just a matter of, of game balance. And at that yes. point, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily change anything other than like the, the story is still paused. You just mechanically are bumping up the difficulty a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about was, you know, the illusion of opportunity. And we might've touched on it a little bit. Um, but you know, as a, as a GM, this is, I think strictly for GM, how do you, you know, if you really want them to, you know, do a, a particular scenario, uh, or encounter, like, how do you, you know, is illusion of opportunity? Uh, maybe we should start by defining what that might be. Yeah, go for uh, it. Uh, where, I guess in my mind, uh, the illusion of opportunity is, you know, the, the characters have a choice between A and B. They can go north or south, but when they, um, you know, choose to go south, uh, the same city that you have prepared is available in either direction. Um, you know, it might not be the same name, but all the NPCs, all the, you know, political machinations, everything that you took the time to set up for isn't just thrown out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if, if you're playing in a, in a scenario you, you gave, if you have uh, no plans for the party to ever go to the other town, that that's not a problem. Um, on a smaller scale, when the party goes into a particular city and uh, they inevitably, what's the first thing anybody, uh, at least in our groups, wants to do when they get to town? I always want to know about the closest or nicest tavern and right. into sleeping. Yeah. Yep. And, and so I, I usually only have one or two ideas in mind. But sometimes if it's a, I mean, if it's a small town, there may only be one or two. But in a larger city, I'll say you've got dozens to choose from. Tell me what area of town you want to go to. Tell me what type of, of tavern you're looking for. And I still only have one or two in mind. I'm just kind of helping you know, narrow down the focus or I'm slightly changing how snobby the bartender is in my mind or whatever. Um, I'm giving Our quality you, of drink. Right. Exactly. Uh, is it a, is it a two floor uh, or is it a, a one floor where there's beer spilled all over the floor? Uh, that type of thing. Um, but for the most part, they're largely going to be the same, but I want you guys to feel like you're, you're making a decision based on what you know of the town. And, um, and I don't think that necessarily takes away from the, the story. It doesn't necessarily take away from the immersion or how cool, you know, the, the collaborative storytelling is. Um, but it does simplify things quite a bit. Now you could be the type of GM where you've built out in your capital city. There's, you know, 25 different taverns. There's, you know, four in the financial district alone because everybody knows you have a liquid lunch and you, and you have all these things built out and there's names for people and the names of the taverns. And uh, each of them has their own personality and a history. That's awesome more power to you. And especially if you have the type of group that's going to ask those questions, um, then you may need 
you know, some of that information. Uh, but for the most part, if you've ever been the overprepared GM, 90% of the stuff that you know about the world, your characters are never going to find out and your players are never going to ask about. Um, so yeah, it sometimes makes it a lot easier to ask them, where do you want to go? What direction do you want to, to pursue? You could even give a generic plot option of, you know, when you see a message board and you have, um, side quest a side quest b side quest c and you word it just generically enough that ultimately whatever they choose they might be picking the same quest um you could simplify things to that degree and and allow for people to feel like i have lots of options i have lots of choices um but you're you're keeping it limited to them um i think those are a few decent examples did you have any other thoughts come to mind yeah i mean just you know, just to, to add on to that, just, you know, you want to have uh, opportunities for your uh, characters, um, you know, for your players, for your, for their characters. Um, you know, we can maybe talk about uh, in another uh, another podcast uh, session about, um, you know, a, you know, railroad uh, concepts uh, story wise versus, uh, you know, sandbox. Um, but just to to mention here like you know having having the the player characters you know want to want to do things and you know having those opportunities and even just noting what they uh what the what their characters are doing and what they are engaging in uh you know asking about the tavern might be something the barbarians always asking about so you do want to be at least prepared with like you said one or two and you know maybe just add a little bit more detail for the barbarian like you know not necessarily is there a fight pit in every bar but you know have a little bit of a drink menu uh if, if drinking is their thing uh or if uh you know finding a a sparring uh, uh area or something for uh, not necessarily just chops all the time um but you know really go into some details if that's something a character likes if not it's okay to you know not spend uh all of your thought process and time and energy to create this massive world but you know add the details where you where you want to add and where you think is good to add the, the, the details versus just not having any or having too much everywhere uh you know even just that balance on how to balance it uh, yeah. might be good based on on what the players are actually interested in too yeah. And that's, I mean, in general, that's good to know as a GM, what are your players yeah. interested in and what are their particular characters interested in? So sure. And, and as you play, if the barbarian's always asking, you know, what's the best drink? Well, you may want to start planning ahead on that type of thing. Um, that's not even giving the illusion of opportunity. That's allowing people to step into, you know, the opportunities they're creating yeah. for themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good example. Um, I do have on on the flip side. So I because I, I don't really like the the railroad idea. Sometimes things just don't matter as much to me. I know if they're looking for a constant job posting that I'll give them something random to appease them because it doesn't really matter to me. Ultimately, they're just kind of looking for something to do to pass the time. Um, but there are other times where if I give them a list of you can do A, B or C, now we get back to the living world and every choice that you make means that you're ignoring these other options. And, you know, it, 
it could be that you are going to save the person or, you know, uh, recover their lost goods or whatever was stolen from, you know, person A. But do you have time to tackle person's B and C's problem? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe A and B were side ventures, but if you had chosen option C, you might have actually gotten more information for the lore of your main plot quest. Um, and so I have a lot of those things buried in that my players will never know about. Um, and there are some of them where uh, they all potentially feed into the main story. Just what information you get, what allies you find along the way, what new villains you make along the way are all dependent on which of these threads that you pursue at the time. Um, I don't remember if you were even playing in the superhero game that I ran, but uh, really early on, they had the opportunity as newfound super powered individuals to choose which particular super group to be a part of. And so uh, and I think I gave them, you know, ones that were more like the, you know, Daredevil uh, Luke Cage, like street level defenders group. There was one that was a lot more like the Avengers, uh, but kind of on steroids and, and you know, really uh, big, like they would make their own movies about themselves and, and that type of thing. And then there was a okay. side group that, you know, uh, an agent uh, had pulled them aside and said, Hey, if you're willing to, and you can trust me, uh, there's a secret government organization that wants to uh, kind of pull you aside as nobodies and keep you kind of a little bit more as nobodies so you can investigate this thing. And I threw it out there, not expecting them to tackle that. But for some reason, and you know our group well enough to know they don't trust anybody. But for some reason, they went for that option. And ultimately, they were able to kind of unpack a lot of what was going on with the story because they chose that option that I wasn't anticipating. Um, so they got a whole lot of secret information from like government sources that they weren't going to be able to, to get otherwise. They could have pursued the plot regardless of which angle they took getting different information either from you know street informants or you know from some of the the big bads they were taking down along the way if they had chosen like the avengers level stuff but um this one got a lot more intimate it got a lot more like close to home with the the source of their superpowers being their parents and how they were ultimately involved in a subplot of of some sort and um and so all of those were going to lead to different amounts of information and amounts of lore. Uh, and so choosing sometimes choosing your branching path really makes a ton of difference in your living world. Um, but you can ultimately, like we talked about, I think early on, you can start to bring around different types of, of lore and still feed them the information. You're just going to choose to do it in a different way, depending on the approach that they take. Yeah, and so long as it's not like too overwhelming, uh, I think sometimes you know the living world could have a lot of different threads, as you mentioned, and sometimes player characters tend to assume that they all interconnect. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so sometimes you know you have these threads that either becomes too overwhelming, or you know conspiracy theories start link, you know piecing things together that you, the GM don't expect them to put together and it's not necessarily right it's just they put it together through some pieces of lore uh, or discussions had in, in the world so how do you try to you know balance uh, 
the overwhelmingness of these story threads with, you know, not making it too like single tracked uh, threads. Um, I, I try my best if it really is a, a side jaunt um, to give the characters some kind of a closure moment. And if it ultimately is something that plays back into one of the main story arcs that at some point during you know that expedition they get a new bit of lore or they think that they had something tied up and then you know this new thing falls into their lap that they say wait what this is connected to this after all okay now we can pursue it even further uh, so i try to differentiate there that either it feels nice wrapped up put a bow on it and we're done or the opposite that there's something very deliberate that's placed for them to discover and again maybe they don't find it and that happens sometimes, but uh, something usually is placed there for them to discover or some scrap of paper, some ancient tome, uh, maybe an NPC that they can question to, to realize that certain threads are tied together or to help them pursue um, you know, the main story arc because they went out of their way to pursue the side one. Um, so I usually try to differentiate in that way by the time they finish that they know. Uh, but yeah, I played I played in other games that we finished the entire thing and you do like the recap at the end and people are still saying, well, what about this story and what about that story? And we never really got back to that. And the GM's like, I never really intended for you to pursue that beyond what you did. And you guys kind of made more of it. But uh, so I filed that away and I, I try my best to make sure they know uh, when a story is done. Now, it doesn't always mean that it's done, done. Uh, but at least for the time being, you can put it on a shelf. And if later you decide, hey, that that NPC, that villain uh, was worthwhile, maybe I can bring it back out, dust them off and uh, bring it back around for round two. Yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, death isn't the end for uh, villains or, you know, higher epic yeah. campaigns or what have you. So, you know, it was to say that they can't come back and be training hard to be the heroes of their own story. Uh so yeah, no, that 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 sounds good. Uh, I I don't think I have any other questions. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Final remarks? Yeah, in general, I think as a so from GM perspective, um, if you're used to playing and running in a paused game, uh, start small. You're going to overwhelm yourself. If you try to suddenly uh, make this living, breathing world, you're going to go over the top with over planning, over preparation and burn yourself out before you even have an, an opportunity for the characters to start uncovering all the plots that you've got out there. Uh, so start small, start with minor things, maybe just a single story arc that time matters that the order in which they choose to do things or the way that they treat the people around them affects how things play out but maybe ultimately in the big scheme of things it's not as big of a deal you can start with those small things uh, as a player uh, i would say uh, number one don't always expect to be the uh the hero and the the epic you know legend as you walk into town, um, I think that's a failed premise that we've created and it doesn't allow for the GM to have other things going on in the world uh, because we built up this story that everything revolves around us and every the only thing that matters is us and our story. And we're bigger 
than the kingdoms and countries around us. Um, but if we allow ourselves to be a little bit smaller, it allows the GM to think a little bit bigger. And I think we ultimately then have better stories collaboratively because that's ultimately what we're trying to do, right? Is, is tell a collaborative story right. between everybody at the table. And if we allow ourselves to be a little bit smaller as characters, I think it allows the story itself to be much bigger and much grander. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I agree. Like definitely start small. Um, you know, world building can be daunting and the more you do it, I would say it gets easier, but then you just end up adding more to it. Right. Uh, another layer so, on top of another layer. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, oh, what about more of the city, more, more of the factions, more of, you know, it, it can be a lot. So definitely start small. And, you know, if you had to choose, you know, for your time, because again, gym prep time is important, you know, focus on the story more than the world building, uh, you know, figure out, you know, if they choose A versus B, like how would that affect the story? And, you know, just sort of go from there. You know, it's not, you know, I always look at, you know, GMA as kind of like you're writing maybe a chapter or two, you know, ahead of the players reading it. Um, if you write out the whole book, then it's not a collaborative story. It's, it's your book. Um, you know, if you don't have enough, then you might not be prepared and the story doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and that might be because you spent too much time world building. You're like, but I have all this lore, but you don't have a story surrounding it. Then that's not going to go anywhere. Um, yeah. And please, please, if you are the GM who has over prepared and has all this lore, don't feel required to info dump all the time. Let the characters uncover things organically because they're going to feel overwhelmed and overloaded if you just dump it all on them. Right. Let it steep like a good bag of uh, tea there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the players will appreciate it more, um, you know, and if they're interested in certain facets, they they'll will ask. They'll ask. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. awesome. Well, hopefully that that helps anybody who uh, maybe leans one side or the other or was unaware of there even being a, a difference. Um, maybe uh, talk to your group and say, hey, there's a slightly different play style I'd like to, to try for this new campaign coming up. What do you think? Um, but uh, speaking of yeah, what do you think, uh, any anybody uh, anybody listening? Feel free to, to drop some of your stories and uh, how this played out or whether you, if you give it a try and let us know uh, how it works for you. Yeah, definitely would like to hear your thoughts and feedback. Any uh, any parting shots? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, I look forward to our next duel. Yeah. Until next time. See you guys. <laughs>